0: What up all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for episode 266 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I have my old friend Tag Hurley on the pod. It was an awesome encounter, one that I always use as a signpost that I'm on the right path in life. And there, Tag was jogging across the street as I was scootering along here in Mexico. It was such an awesome encounter. Had to bring him on the pod because he is a long-time traveler, explorer, somebody who's living a really cool life all around the world. And I have no doubt that you're going to get a lot out of his episode, his life philosophy, and the way he moves around the world. If you're a first-time listener, please click that subscribe button. If you like this episode, it would help me out a lot if you shared it with a friend. That really helps spread the message of Misfits & Rejects, helps me get more followers, and grow my podcast. You can also support Misfits & Rejects on Patreon. You can head over to Patreon.com. It's also in the show notes. Click on or search "Misfits and Rejects" and give a monthly donation. All is appreciated. Nothing is expected. One dollar, five dollars, twenty-five. It's up to you. It all really helps. Thank you to all my patrons out there. I really appreciate you. Or you can head over to MisfitsandRejects.com backslash shop and pick up a T-shirt. That also helps. With that said, I hope you enjoy this episode with my old friend Tag Hurley. He is an awesome, wise traveler who's living a really beautiful life. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes.
1: I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear
0: Right there for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Damn. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by a very special guest, an old friend from back in the day who wandered in my life recently. His name is Tag Curley, and I'd like to welcome him to the show. Tag, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chapin. Yeah, to be man. Here. Yeah, it's such a rad moment in time that we happen to cross paths because, unbeknownst to you something that my audience knows about me is that one of the measures I use to know I'm on the right path in life is having a circumstance like this occur in a random place in Mexico. I was coming to the beach on my scooter with my friend Noah at a very random time, which I never surf at. And you happen to jog across the road right in front of me at perfect timing. And had it been at any other moment, even though you've been here 10 days, we probably wouldn't have crossed paths, dude. Right. Yeah. And that for me, it happens to me all over the world. And then I'm like, I know for a fact I'm in the right place at the right time because you're somebody from my past who I liked. I cherished the time I got to share. And it's just always special to see a face like yours in a random country. Yeah, likewise. Do you have moments like that in your travels? Do you have a measuring stick or a signpost that you can always know that I'm being led in the right direction?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's tons of synchronicities. Yeah. Things happen all the time. But running into like old friends, like people from other side of the world happens to me quite often, actually. And one thing I think about, I think you said the day before you might have seen me, but you weren't sure was it wasn't me. It was me. And I didn't see you at all. I had no clue. I had no clue you were in Mexico. And when you first like said hi, I was like, who is this? And I got close and I like, oh, it's Chape and no way. I was like stoked to see an old friend. Um, but I think a lot of times, how many times you just barely miss somebody, You didn't get to connect with them, but they were probably on the same plane even, or they're on the same train or in the same city. So that probably happens even more often when you actually do connect. But yeah, plenty of synchronicities, plenty of times that it goes like, just feels like, wow, how did that happen? Like something is like looking over me or like encouraging me to keep moving on this
0: path. Yeah, absolutely. Is there one that stands out you'd like to share? Is there one that you just like, like meeting somebody? Yeah, blew your mind or something that you found very unique and special in the time you spent on the road, that just helps you know that the stars are aligning for you. Yeah, I, it's happened a few times where I've like been in Europe
1: or, um, yeah, Europe specifically. I remember, I think I was in Copenhagen, like ages ago. And one of my like, um, neighbors, like good friends, neighbors from Newport Beach, uh, Matt Adams, who's now like a musician and lives in SoCal still, I think. Great, great artist. He, he walked into the same bar. And I saw him and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. It was, I was pretty early on in my travels and I was like, how is it possible that we're on the other side of the world and he walked in the same bar? I think he only, he looked in and then was about to leave. And I'm like, Hey, Matt, you know, it's me tagging. We're like, no way. And we hung out. And, um, yeah, it's funny that my memory is like, is it, was it Matt Adams? I'm pretty sure it was Matt Adams because he was one of my neighbors and. Um, it was somebody from Dover Shores, at least. Okay.
0: I hope it was you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a documentary once on the spy, spy game, basically, like people mm-hmm. who worked in the CIA within the spy industry. Right. And one of the women that they interviewed was a master of disguises. Like she helped all the major spies like work on their disguises and stuff like that because the main reason being like the odds of you bumping into somebody you know when you're undercover in these like crazy countries like Russia – is actually extremely high, which I found very interesting. Wow! And then she didn't explain the science behind that, but the skies weren't meant to trick the people that you were spying against. It was so that friends from back in your neighborhood in like Wisconsin, when you're in the middle of like oh, Russia, wow. St. Petersburg, wouldn't recognize you when you're walking down the street.
1: That's crazy. Well, wow. yeah, it makes sense because it, it's happened multiple times. Yeah, I, I mean, now I'm you know been traveling for a long time, and when I saw you. Initially, there was a surprise that I, I was like, oh, yeah, this happens. You know, this is what traveling is, and this is what, like, the world is is really small, especially the surf world, you know. You run into surfers all the time because we're all looking for the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah it is a narrow path that the likelihood of you bumping into somebody because we're both surfers, because we like to travel, takes us to the same places. So yeah. it's high, but at the same time, for me, the timing in which we cross paths, like, I'm usually – out in the morning which would have been normal we would have bumped into each other but under the circumstances i'm in right now like late afternoon is or more late morning is when i'm surfing so
1: right yeah we would have missed each other and that day i was like oh i need some coffee and so i ran in to get some coffee and then i I ran back and like yeah just happened to be there too likewise yeah yeah
0: so quick quickly just for the audience tag and i grew up in newport beach went to the same high school um and just were always in the same social circles for many years all the way through university and then after university for me, I went to Europe, and I think I bumped into you once on a trip back from Nicaragua to visit family. I can't even remember. In Newport? Remember. In Newport. At least once, yeah. I remember seeing you surfing, and one time I we went and had pizza. Yep. Maybe that was the same trip. Maybe. We hung out that time. Yep. And then I haven't seen you since, and that's probably been 10 years, I would imagine. Yeah. Did you go to Ensign, too? Yep. Okay. So I went to Ensign as well,
1: mm-hmm. and then I went to Mariner's. Okay. Um but yeah, so we've, we've been on the same path for a long time. What year did you graduate from Harvard? Uh, 98. Okay. You're a year ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I graduated in 99. Yeah. I think we did Boy Scouts together as well. I think so too. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, that's, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and Zach Wells, I think Zach Wells is our big tie. Absolutely. You were tied with him and yeah, he was a college roommate yeah. of mine at UCLA yeah. soccer. <laughs> um, and so you obviously got the travel bug at some point was there a specific thing that happened or was it a family adventure that you you went on or was there multiple adventures as a kid that kind of helped you decide this was a lifestyle you wanted to lead?
1: I think early on, I was like born into it. My parents were traveling um, before I was born when they would get to know each other, traveling all over the US and then I think down to Mexico as well. And then I remember my mom showed me when I was like a teenager, my first passport. And I got my first passport when I was six months old and it's her holding up, Holding me up because for the photo, and I can see her hands. And then she still has that passport somewhere. And we went to Paris to visit my uncle, who works, who lives like half time in Paris and half time in Boston. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was yeah, Bob and, and Cindy we went to visit them when I was just, you know, basically just born. So it, it, early on, I was traveling, and then um, my family, a lot of my family, extended families from the East Coast. So we'd always spend our summers in Madison, Connecticut. So I remember flying on airplanes and, and traveling and seeing like whole new climate, whole new just culture, everything. And it was, it was normal and it was exciting. And I never, I don't think I ever like complained about it. I was like excited to do it and always came back a different person.
0: Nice. And yeah. then when did you decide to venture off on your own and start really seeing the world? Uh, I went to UCSD and
1: on my third year, I did a study abroad in Granada, Spain. And that was the first time I packed up my bags and my dad and girlfriend and I think my brother and stepsister came and they kind of put me into the dorm there. And then they said goodbye. And I remember my dad told me he's like a little scared for me. And I was excited. I was like, I was scared, of course, but I was also like freedom. And I felt so free to be with just some other college kids and so far away from home and in a place that looked beautiful and exciting and alive and, and nothing like the place we grew up in. So... That was the first time I was fully on my own. I mean, I wasn't on my own because you're part of the UC, like, uh, study abroad program. So you have mentors and other students and stuff. But, um, I didn't have family nearby that I could go and whatever, hang out with. Yeah, and it was a whole new language and everything. But it was scary, but it was also, that was the first time it clicked for me. Yeah.
0: So the scary aspect of it was what? Just, um, doing- the language,
1: I, could, I think is the biggest barrier. You go out and. Um, not being able to like order something or get directions or whatever. Um, of course, when I, right when I landed, it was like immerse, like Spanish immersion for a month. So we were taking classes every day. So within a week or two, I was able to do those things, like order something. And I had a little bit of foundation of Spanish. Um, but that, that was probably the scariest. And then just, I don't know. I can't remember. I I think I've always kind of been an explorer though, too. I like being in new places because it's like, what's around that corner? What's over that mountain, you know? So the, so that part was nice. And in, in Spain, it was in Cadiz in the south, you could walk everywhere. So I could just go with my friends and we'd walk around the whole art, old part of town and go down to the beaches and go to the skate park. And um, that was all exciting to me. I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't overwhelming or anything, but it was mostly the language and the culture. And I don't know, I think people told me I should be scared too. Like, wow, you're going to so far away. You know, a lot of my friends didn't do study abroad in, in college. And so I felt like, is this, is this the right thing to do? Or is it, you know, it's easier to go with the masses, but then, um, yeah,
0: it, for, it was for me for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. There is a theme that's kind of running through these episodes because, you know, we have Noah Rashid from last week's episode, um, or two weeks ago episode who, um, first time out in the world, you know, small town in Germany. And he's confronted with a lot of the fears that have been instilled in him. Through media, family, culture, and how he's been dealing with them, and then last week's episode is, is about you know me talking about how I've dealt with fears through traveling, and primarily this last year in surfing waves that I'm uncomfortable in. Hmm. And so speaking to fear, and maybe that first real sort of sense of overwhelm right before you left, even though you said it was pretty natural for you, like the adventure, there was a lot, was not a lot of fear in you. Um, Can you speak to that? Is there something that you do mentally or you have done to really uh, approach fear and work through fear in your travels in life? Uh, I don't think it was conscious, um, but I think
1: I've kind of um, dealt with fear. Somebody told me this a long time ago, fear is very close to like excitement. You know, you're excited for something. You're also scared of it, you're excited at the same time. You're, You're having both those kind of emotions. And I kind of just leaned, I guess, more into the excitement part of it and I get a little adrenaline rush. I'm, I'm a surfer, I like I like critical waves, so that's what makes me feel alive. I think surfing it taught me a lot to like to be okay with fear, because usually your best waves when you can successfully ride it is like a very scary thing when you're when you're paddling for it. Like, am I gonna wipe out? Am I gonna run into the reef? Am I gonna run over somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when you finally make it, you're like, Okay, well that was that was an amazing wave and i'm glad i didn't like chicken out or back off from it so i think surfing's taught me a lot to like face my fears and that there's something on the other side of that fear usually yeah that's kind of my practice i mean it's evolved i can't say i learned that right away i'm 42 now so i've I've definitely been afraid of a lot of things and, and backed off from a lot of things but now I'd say I'm trying to reprogram myself, and like if some like this podcast, like oh, do a, you want to do the podcast? I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go on a microphone and record myself and have people listen to me and critique me. Um, but I'm like, maybe I should because of that, you know? Because something good's going to come out of it, and probably the fear is like unfounded. A lot of a lot of fears I've found I see in other people they're totally irrational. You know, my friend was afraid to go to the bus station in Guadalajara because he thought he was going to get get mugged. You know, he, he wouldn't leave the airport in Guadalajara. He's like 40 years old. And then he got there and everything was fine. He made it to Pasquale. Everything was fine. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, that was so weird. Isn't that silly that I was so afraid five days ago? I'm like, isn't that crazy how you can let your irrational fears control your life or stop you from doing something that's totally fine to do? Mm-hmm. That's, th- those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah
0: I mean, in, in many ways, we enslave ourselves with irrational fears yeah. that we haven't challenged by either taking that first flight to Guadalajara like your buddy did, assuming he'd probably traveled before, but or taking, you know, getting from the airport to the bus station, challenging that. Um, it's definitely something that's difficult, I think, for all of us to deal with. And then like in last week's episode, I talked a lot about like exposure training. You know, I learned in psychology that, you know, a lot of therapists work with people who have fears of snakes and spiders through what they call exposure training, where you just start by, like, talking about them, which Mm -hmm. the blood pressure of somebody who has a, a phobia of snakes and spiders instantly spikes. And you do that with them for, like, weeks or months until you can measure their blood pressure not being higher because of the conversation. Then maybe you start introducing photographs of snakes and spiders. And then from there, maybe you go into a room, and it's like it's a long process years a lot of the time working with these people but over time you will habituate to that fear through the like exposure of that stimuli and so like for me with the big waves like i've always been cautious around big waves but when i was younger i wasn't afraid of big waves but then i had a moment in nicaragua where i got drilled bad and i fully panicked on a big outer reef day that i thought i was going to drown kind of irrationally because I panicked, Mm. but that set in motion many years of like, I don't, this isn't for me. But now at the point where I've talked about in my podcast, not really having the same love for surfing that I once did, needing something new to come of it, this place in Mexico just made so much sense. I love the challenge of anything. And then I love surfing still, even though I don't get the the high that you clearly still get. Mm. And so the big waves for me and this this idea of exposing myself to a systematic safe approach has been really valuable, and I think can help a lot of people, you know, with any type of fear. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it sounds like though you naturally through just who you are or what you've learned through your parents or peers like have always had a lust for life. Fears come, but you like, as you said, what's on the other side of fear, which I'd love to talk more about because mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. The knowing that going into fear, there's a, there's a flip side of that coin. There's coming out on the other side and you alluded to most of the time. It's elation or it's excitement or it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Is that consistent for you? Yeah. Well, and it also,
1: you survive it and you, you kind of look back and laugh at it that you made such a big deal of it. So that gives you the confidence to face a bigger fear. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a stepping stones, so stairs, you know, that you're
0: climbing towards something. Um, sorry. What was the question? No, that's okay. It's just, yeah, like the other side of fear. The other side of fear. Yeah. Yeah. And what that means to you, like has there, has that proven to be true? Like 99% of the time. Oh, yeah. So absolutely you can confidently say that by facing your fears in your life, you've come out on the other side with a sense of accomplishment, a sense of wonder why you were so fearful to begin with. Yeah. And the confidence to maybe challenge yourself with a bigger fear. Yeah, yeah. It
1: gives you a whole new perspective. And then um sometimes it's kind of embarrassing, like, why was I so afraid of that? You know, and like you just you have to laugh at yourself and 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 yeah, be gentle on yourself. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's yeah. So the, go ahead. I was going to say it, it just feels like um, I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of fear, but I think I can kind of retrain myself to kind of like enjoy fear a little bit more and not not
0: be repulsed by it or afraid of it. Yeah. I think we're all capable of that, yeah. I agree. I mean, and you hear a lot of big wave surfers talking about that who yeah. subject themselves to extremely dangerous waves. Yeah. And they embrace the fear and try to control the fear to the best of their ability obviously in Mother Nature you can't control the variables so they accept responsibility for the variables they can't control yeah. but in turn also embrace the fear and go into it and challenge themselves with it and it pushes them to a level that's pretty impressive yeah so with after your your stint in Spain what what happened next? you go back and get a corporate job or what happened? <laughs> I, um,
1: I remember flying back from Spain and feeling like really proud of myself that like you know reflected on the whole year how first of all it didn't turn out at all, like I imagine you. Know, you have that's that's the cool thing about traveling and the world in general, in life in general, that you looking towards. You have these images of like, oh, what Spain's going to be like, what a year abroad's going to be like, and it's nothing like that. It's totally different. It's more beautiful. It's more exciting than than you could have imagined. Um. So I remember coming back going like, wow, I can do I can do crazy things. I could I just came back feeling really full and like being a little bit well, a lot sad that it was over too because every day. When you're living in another country is, is new and exciting. I I was kind of going back to my old life at UCSD. I still had two more years to finish when I came back. So I, I finished school. I started an internship with Porsche Specimen, um, surf movie production company. And then I started doing that. Um, I wouldn't say as a corporate job, but I was working like freelance doing, um, you know, lots of action sports videos and stuff and weddings and film for the UCSD soccer team and did a lot a lot of projects and was like working a lot and then um, I eventually got burnt out because I was working on a laptop and I was shooting a lot too which was fun and I was outdoors and always a new project but then it always comes back to the laptop and sitting in the editing bay and looking at the screen which I, I'm sure you're familiar with and doing like TV shows and stuff sometimes you have like 100 hour weeks you got to get the deadline in we, were, we had a couple um, gigs with Fuel, TV I don't know if that's still around um, but I'd be working so hard just to finish it and, and just going like, what am I doing this for? I'm not making that good of money, you know? And, and I, I started just being like allergic to the computer almost and having to buy a new computer every two years, having to buy a new software every year, whatever. All the, I, it just felt like this like hamster wheel, like this technology hamster wheel. And I was good at it, but it didn't, it didn't make me happy. And, and I kind of, I had like a vision of like what my life would be like. And I would, I felt like I was just getting less healthy, more more stagnant. I was missing out on good waves sometimes. I was or lots of times. I was like um, not getting outdoors and, and being getting sunshine and stuff. And I looked. At, I looked at people who were in the profession like ten years down the road, and almost always the video guys had like a big belly and they just looked pale. And I was like, I don't want that for myself. So, should I continue on with what that led me to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I, I basically phased out of like videography and um, I still love cameras, but I phased out of it, working at it, at it and I I went to the cannabis industry up in Northern California, which a lot of surfers do. And this is back in the the aughts. Uh, it was still a very good, like uh, strong industry and you had a lot of freedom and you meet a lot of characters. And I did that for like seven years. It seems like my life comes in like these seven year chapters, you know, did the videography for, I I don't remember, but at least seven years. And then I did the cannabis for like seven years and, um, and then it kind of ran its whole cycle and I got sick of that and the industry was like collapsing. Um, at least it was changing the way I didn't want to like be a part of it anymore. And so that came to an end too. Yeah. And you have just been kind of flowing ever since. Uh, let's see. That was, I was probably 35 or so. And yeah, after that was done, I, I liquidated everything. I sold the land. I sold my business. I had some extra vehicles. I sold them and I got really into like minimalist traveling, know, like just backpacking. Um, and I did the Camino de Santiago, um, at some point Which and is in Spain, Spain, in, Spain in Spain, um, uh, very awesome. I mean, it was my first kind of longer trail. And my first taste of like foot powered, uh, human powered travel, um, just on, again, on my own, like my, my friend's mom, um, had done it. She's a, a, a Catalan lady mm-hmm. and she, um, she had just done it. She was like a divorcee and she did it with her girlfriends and had a blast. And I was running out of money. Yeah, good tip. If you want like a budget adventure that's really fulfilling. The community of Santiago. Um, I started the French border mm-hmm. and walked till Santander. It took me about 11 days, okay. which isn't the whole thing. It takes 30 days to do usually from the French border to Santiago de Compostela. Okay. Um, but I did the, the first third of it, let's say, and, and just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, I, I shot some video and photos and, and I can give you the, the YouTube video. Um, but it had a lot of time to reflect and think about, um, This was actually before I had the, the weed farm. So, um, this was a seed that, um, was planted back then, but I just, I just really enjoyed being outdoors and living simply. Um, and so since since then afterwards, fast forward to the selling the weed farm, I'm like, I can live very comfortably with my passive income and do these, these budget, quote unquote, budget adventures, you know, where you're not paying for accommodation really. And you, you're, you are your own transportation, same for transportation and um, tons of synchronicities happen when you're out walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just walked here today from the bus station and was getting a bunch of hellos and just like seeing cool things I would have never seen if I was in a taxi or whatever, um, places I want to go back and check out at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I learned about... I, I just got to a point where I had enough passive income and I had enough curiosity, and I was sick of being tied down and trapped, so I've just been basically cruising for seven years now. Um, taking whatever somebody invites me to do something or go somewhere, I'll think about it for a little while, meditate on it. If it feels right, I'll, I'll take, up, take them up on it and go, you know, my next trip, I'm going to Columbia in two weeks. A, a good buddy, um, Eric Holmes is going to be down there and he invited me to come travel with him. So I'm just
0: flowing, just taking invitations and seeing where that leads me. Yeah. And is there a specific type of travel that you're drawn to in the sense that like you, the Camino is obviously walking, hiking through tra- through travel. Yeah. Through hikes. Um, then there's surf travel. I mean, I know you're a budget traveler, so it's always trying to do it on the cheap, the cheapest yeah. way possible. Um, do you have a balance of one of both, or are you mostly doing surf travel with some through hikes and some visits to big cities?
1: I, I also, cities, I try to avoid cities as much as possible, but all the airports are in big cities mm. and, that's an edge for me. It's like spending more time in cities. I seem to always get like my cell phone stolen or my laptop stolen in cities. Um, I can tell some funny, funny stories about that. Cause it does happen. You get pickpocketed or whatever. Um, but they become good stories later, but they're always traumatic and unsettling. Yeah. Um, but I, I try to avoid cities and I seem to oscillate between going to the beaches and going surfing in these remote places where there's good ways, but there's not much going on. And there's like pretty much a, a, one monoculture with the surf culture, you know, um, and then I'll go to the mountains and do like backpacking and through hiking and get away from the ocean and kind of be usually in a colder place. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, those I feel are good, a good balance
0: for me. They, they complement each other really well. I find myself being lost in the mountains emotionally. Mm-hmm. It's been ever since I was a kid, like I respect and love the beauty and I still go occasionally, but when I'm there, I don't have the same connection to it as I do the ocean. But it sounds like you have a feeling for both, yeah. an affection for both that makes you feel settled and good.
1: Yeah. I, I feel most at home in the ocean and at the beach. And I feel like if I had to stay in one place, which hopefully I don't, hopefully I can keep moving, but um, it would be at the beach. That's like a subtropical place like this, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was where I'd want to root. But... Every time I go to the mountain, it like charges me, charges me up. And it it is an edge for me. I don't I get altitude sickness. So I can tell the story too. I did the PCT in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I get altitude sickness and I feel out of my element, but the more time I spend there, the more comfortable I get, and the more like tricks I learn how to how to be at home there, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of um yeah. Exposure. What you're talking about? The exposure. Exposure training. Yeah, exposure training. Same thing with the mountains and the altitude. And the cold, cold is an edge for me too. How long were you on the PCT for? So, so during, at the end of the pandemic, I was in Hawaii and I met this guy who who, they call himself, he's a triple crowner, meaning he's done the PCT, the CDT, which is the Continental Divide Trail and the AT, the Appalachian Trail, the three big trails that go north to south in the U.S., and I was asking him about the PCT. He's like, Oh yeah, PCT is so awesome. I'm like, well, I want to do a little part of it. I was trying. I'm always looking for shortcuts, which is kind of one of my flaws. Like try to do it quick and, and just get the good stuff and get out, you know, the cream, cream off the top. And he's like, he looked at me. He's like, you can't just do a part of the PCT. <laughs> you go to the Mexican border and you just start walking and you go as far as you can. And I thought about that for a couple of days. And it's like, he's so right. It's like, what, what, I don't have any good reason not to do it, you know. I think he told me it was like, you could get away like a thousand dollars, one, 000, $1 000 to $2,000 a month. If you had that for the five to six months, you could easily do it. Some people do it on nothing too. You can do it. At the, I can talk about that as well. But I was like, Oh yeah, I can totally afford that. That's in my budget. And I have most of the camping gear already. I've been camping and backpacking in Hawaii and California already. So I had to buy a little bit more gear, but I just went a month later. I started the trail. It was in May of, uh, 2021, May 5th. And this guy actually, his name's Sky Eyes. He's like a, he's kind of like a legendary, crazy character in the through hiking world. Um, that's like his medicine and his, he's just done that a bunch. But he, he, after a week of me saying I was going to do it, he's like, I've already done it twice, but I'm going to, I'm going to come and start with you and do it again. And I was like, that's crazy to do it three times, you know, but he just, he liked my energy and he wanted to like kind of mentor me and coach me along, which I I was thankful for because it was scary to, to start on my own. Looking back now, I think um, you don't need somebody to start with because there's so many other people there. I would have been fine. I'm, I'm grateful that he went with me, but I could have started on my own too. And if I do another trail, I'll probably start on my own because they say you got
0: to you got to hike your own hike. You know, is a saying of the PCT. What's uh, your trail name? I didn't get a trail name. Did you have to get gifted a trail name? Is that given? You, you, to you get to
1: choose it, but usually it comes to you from other people, and then you either say yes or no. And I said no to quite a few of them. But then you guy's... give us an example
0: of a few that you'd said no to.
1: Okay, one time we were, like, hiking on the trail in Northern California, and a skunk ran out, and he started, like, um, walking on the trail north in front of us. He didn't scurry away from us or anything. He just kept going. For at least a quarter mile, he was walking right in front of me. And I had my two friends behind me, and I'm kind of freaking out, going, the skunk's there. He's still there. You know, like, let's, let's keep some distance. But it wasn't like he was afraid of it. He was like, okay, I'm going to hike to Canada too. And I just kind of tripped out. You know, I think we would we'd smoked a joint or something right before, so I was I was elevated, but I couldn't believe that this skunk was going along. So at the end of the day, they're like, Tag, we want to call you skunk. And instantly I'm like, no, it doesn't have a good connotation, you know. I, somebody's going to think I'm just the stinky guy on the trail or whatever, <laughs> you know, or I have bad farts or something. Yeah. So I was like, no thanks. And I had to like, they, they thought it was hilarious. And it was a very memorable, it's usually something like that, like a funny story happens and, and you have to like um
0: yeah relive that for a long time and i didn't want to relive that one forever but that's fair and that's interesting i didn't know that detail you could refuse them i'm yeah uh, i interviewed a guy they call legend i'm assuming sky eyes probably knows him i know legend yeah yeah he lives down in san diego yeah 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 yeah. so he came He is a legend yeah yeah he's died like three times came back to life yeah pretty pretty remarkable how'd you meet him he was at the start of the trail no way! Yeah, he, oh, he making pancakes for
1: everybody. He camps. He does like um, at the beginning of the trail. I think I think he does pancakes in the morning, and then does like a pasta dinner at night. Yeah, but he's there basically at the very at the Mexican border, helping people, making sure they they have all their stuff, you know, whatever, guiding them. He's kind of like a self um, appointed you know host of the whole trail. Yeah, and then he goes along the trail. And he's at other places too, making pancakes and pasta, pasta and helping people out. Yeah, yeah. He, he. I think he did the trail at
0: some point. He's kind of an older guy now. He's know. done it like three times. He's done it three times. Okay. I think so, two or three. I mean, he was like again one of those guys that like crazy accident was never going to walk again, and he walked the whole thing. Oh, I didn't know that. He was, yeah, he like he was paralyzed. He had or? some very serious damage done to his body. I think through a car accident. Wow. And you can listen to the podcast. I met him in Nicaragua. Okay, he's on the, the pod. yeah he's okay. on the pod, and cool. I met him in Nicaragua, and he would come down with a truck oh, right. full of things and just like give it out until it was all gone. Yeah, And he ended every single year in Higante where I lived and then he would drive it back. And he did that for like three or five years. That's so crazy. And yeah. told me all the stories. He's a great dude. I saw his truck. He's like, yeah, I drove this down to,
1: I, I thought it was Mexico, but I guess Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. wild, wild Dude. <laughs> That's great. I mean, again, synchronicity, like these paths that you've walked paths that I've walked when we've crossed similar people, in our past and again it's just like that serendipity that I love so much about living the life that I love and then getting reinforced by these encounters which allow me to realize like oh signpost I'm going the right direction. Yes. Side note mm-hmm. legend owes Sky Eyes a pizza. Okay. Legend if <laughs> you're listening.
1: if you're listening legend <laughs> you might not remember but Sky Eyes definitely remembers yeah. I'll hit him up and yeah. let I'll remind him.
0: <laughs> um so the PCT and that was an experience
1: that what? How'd that go? um yeah you asked me if i want to plug anything i guess the one thing i would plug is um if you are drawn to backpacking and you've done any bit of backpacking or if you haven't done anything at all and you want like the ultimate adventure like human-powered adventure really like soul testing and, and character building and a good a good way to end a chapter in your life maybe you're in between chapters go like start one of the trails it doesn't have to be the super long trails too there's there's so many trails. Um, any through hiking trail, which is, I think it has to be over 100 miles technically, something that you're going to spend more than a week, I'd say, out backpacking, um, I would highly encourage somebody to try that at, at any age. As long as you can walk and carry like 30 pounds on your back, you, sh- you should give it a try because it's going to it's gonna blow your mind and you get to see these pristine, awesome parts of the country um, and you meet just the most wildest characters like Legend and Sky Eyes and Happy and Wonder Woman and Caveman, all these people that will, will probably open many doors for you. You know, right now, I, I went to a wedding, um, recently. My buddy Happy got married, met him on the trail. He became part of my trail family, Tramily. And I've always got a place to stay with him now. He's like a brother and Wonder Woman. Uh, also, uh, she's going to be a triple crowner hopefully this summer. You know, all these people, they become like a family to
0: you. Yeah. And because of the hardship that you experience together and then like the yes. understanding of what people are going through and then the altruism that like legend gives back. He's a trail angel. Yeah. He pops up with his pancakes and pasta for those who've been hiking for weeks and need a warm meal or warm breakfast. Yeah. I think you just get to spend quality time with these people doing
1: something that you both love and you're, you're having these great conversations all day long with very little distractions. The only distraction is you got to get to the next town and and you're trying to find what food, but you're sleeping to the stars every night, you know, you're sharing food, you're sharing snacks, you're sharing joints, you're sharing rum, whatever. And you really just get to know each other really well. And they don't have, usually they don't know you at all. So you get to tell them whatever story you want to tell them. You got a fresh slate kind of, same thing with traveling, but there's something special about being way out in the back country where there's no televisions or sirens or cell
0: phones or whatever, you know. People are. It feels much more present, yeah. I like that word present, and I was having this discussion with Noah how traveling, I would imagine, a lot like through hiking is continuously delivering situations you've never encountered before. And you have to remain present the whole time because you can't be on autopilot because you you've never navigated this territory, mm-hmm. whether it's traveling to new countries or on a trail, which through hikes, like 100 milers or whatever you do that for an extended period of time, your brain changes. The chemistry of your brain, it's like a medit, it's like a hundred mile meditation yeah. that takes multiple weeks. I don't know how long a hundred miles takes. Same with traveling. You will, with time and exposure, your brain will change to where you go back to your home and you're a different person, much like you coming back from Spain. Like, I don't know how you feel about I talk a lot about it on the pod. Like I call it repatriation. Um, some people call it other things, but it's like I don't relate to where we came from anymore at, at all. Like mm-hmm. I go back because my family's there who I love to death, but like I don't have a, I don't business there. I don't have a connection to it. I don't need to go back except for seeing family because I don't relate to it at all. Do you have the same sort of feeling as far as Newport? Newport, America in general. Um, well, I, my situation
1: is my dad's still in Newport and Jennifer is his partner. Um, so I go back and visit them and I still love surfing Newport. It's like it always... It's, it's one of my favorite waves when it's good. Um, but yeah. And, and I go there for, to see friends. I don't have much blood family on the West Coast, just my dad, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I, every time I'm there after there's a certain amount of time where it's good, I do the things I need to do, check my mail, say hello to who I need. I want to say hello, maybe get my passport renewed or whatever, you know, things that like you can only do there. Um, and then after that's up. I usually start itching like, that. I don't want to be trapped here. I don't want to be, I don't see myself there a long time. That's for me. Yeah. So it kind of just pushes me out of there. Yeah. What about East coast? Right and the now? East coast, my, my, a lot of my family's from the East coast. And my mom moved when my parents divorced, my mom moved back to Maryland where she lived in the seventies and it's a small town in Maryland. And now my mom lives there. My brother lives there. His wife lives there. My uncles, my cousins, my cousins, kids. So I have a bunch of family there. And they have, they have like rural lands. So we have like a forest and a river and stuff. Like I can go and like connect with nature, which you can't do in Newport. The only nature in Newport is really the beach, you know, and once you get in the ocean and even that is, is pretty like, you got speedboats going by and jet skis and everything. a hundred kind of other people. Yeah. And, and a ton of people. Yeah. Um, but in Maryland, I feel like I can actually go home and be on our quote unquote land and kind of connect, but I didn't grow up there, and I'm not really tied there either. So eventually, that that kind of pushes me out too. Um, I spend you know as much time as I need to spend there. I was just there for twelve days at Christmas, and it feels nice, and and I like it. I, I feel I can spend more time there than I can in Newport, mm-hmm. maybe because there's more space and more nature. Got it. But the, yeah, nowhere's perfect. It, there's there's surfing, but it's like two hours away, and it's cold, and it's it's not that good.
0: Yeah. Where was the last place you lived for an extended period of time? Uh, Chile. I, um,
1: about two years ago, I met a girl from Chile and she was traveling in Hawaii and we dated for a little while. And then she was going back to Chile and she invited me to come live there. So I was like, well, you know, it's kind of the same thing as Spain. Like I've, I've moved to another country before. It's scary. I luckily I've been to Chile before. I know that like the culture's chill and um, it's got crazy mountains, second biggest mountains after the Himalayas and it's got really good waves. So I was like, you know, I'm sold. Yeah, you don't have to pull my pull my leg or whatever. And we we moved in together on the coast of Chile, and we lived there for a year and a half together. And just before Christmas, we split up, and then I I started traveling. She went to Ireland to go to school in Ireland. And um, but yeah, I did a year and a half in Chile. I love it. I still I'm kind of home base in Chile still right now because I have a van there and I have a community there and. There's good ways there, yeah. Did you purchase the car there? Yeah, we bought a van. It's an old Korean um, ambulance. And somehow it ended up in Chile. Somebody turned it into a camper. They kind of run it, ran it down, and it's kind of a really beat-up. The layout wasn't very good, so we gutted it. And with a buddy who's a carpenter and a surfboard builder and a furniture maker, he helped us uh, totally redo it. And we made, like, a really nice, like, fully livable van with a kitchen and a convertible bed and surfboard storage and solar panel and stuff. And it's there with a family now in, in Chile. And that's kind of my my loose plan right now is to take that around South America. Uh in every country. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because a story I just heard recently when I was uh camping over Christmas was that um Chile is a place that foreigners can go buy vehicles legally and then get the paperwork that allows you then across borders. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I don't know if you can't do it, but it's much harder if you're trying to do it in Brazil or Argentina or Uruguay or Chile. From what my friend told me who did it, it was just, is very easy. You could go and buy a car. Everything's in your name and you can cross over into what he did was Argentina. Yeah. And he lived there for like a year with his car and then he drove back to Chile and sold it before he went back to yeah. the States. Yeah. I I love- yeah.
1: That's, um, I, it's funny, it's it's not super easy, but it is, it's doable. I'm still in the process of getting a transfer from my girlfriend's name because she she had in her name, she had her root, RUT number, whatever mm-hmm. the social security number there, but I didn't have one. So I'm, I'm still in the process of waiting to get mine. And as soon as I do get mine, it just takes time. And like, you got to follow the right, jump through the right hoops, whatever. Um, But I am in the process of getting that and eventually It'll be in my name. And then, yeah, I should be able to sell it easily. And yeah, you can go into, I think, any country. You just have to get some type of make sure you have insurance for that country or whatever it's not hard plenty of people do it there's a lot of like overlanders people from europe specifically who come over in north america come over buy vehicles drive them all the way around and then sell them um, my vans probably the people who had it before probably drove to like most countries in south america before and then i got put a new motor in it and then now i have it yet so yeah you mentioned you're going to colombia next you're going to be here another few days and then you're heading to colombia yeah i'll probably be here for another week it looks like now okay um i have some surfboards now i have a quiver and i got a good place to stay on the beach um and you're here so i got i got an old friend um and the waves look good so i'm gonna surf for about another week or so and then go visit a friend in tepo Tzlan. do you know tepo you mentioned it i don't mexico city okay it's supposed to be like sedona arizona you've been there yep um It's supposed to be like the Sedona. Energy uh, vortex. Uh, Energy vortex. It's got similar landscape. Okay. And I went there one before. It was cool. It's like a little town. It's cool nature. Again, not surf culture. So I, I'm, I'll i be full on surf culture by the time of this. I'll be full of salt water and go there to dry out a little bit and visit an old buddy who married a Mexican lady um, and see their family and their kids. And then I'll fly out from Defe, uh, Mexico City, and then fly to Colombia. Got it. And in, in Colombia, I'll be just traveling by bus or hitchhiking or whatever donkey. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, you fly back to Chile to get your
0: your paperwork. Most stored. likely,
1: that seems like the the smartest thing to do. Yeah, right now, I it's um, kind of summer's coming to an end. I think end of February is kind of end of summer. And I was gonna try to like get down to Patagonia, but uh, I got kind of side sidetracked here. And now Colombia is an added on thing, which is like I make I usually make loose plans. And then because something comes up and you got to be able to change it. And maybe, maybe I'll have to wait
0: for Patagonia until next, um, next year. My so if you do make it to Chile, you'll just get your paperwork and live in your van and kind of cruise around Chile or what? There,
1: there's a, a couple waves I like to surf that will be, um, starting to get good soon. So I want to kind of wait until they're good. Um, I have a friend, another van guy who, who owns some Airbnbs there that when they're empty, he lets me stay in them, which is nice, a nice little arrangement kind of like an Airbnb hack um, when he gives me a special rate when they're empty and nobody's booked them I can stay in them for like ten dollars a day or whatever it's a little cabin with a wood stove and then and then people come and then I can move into my van and I go and adventure or whatever but he wants to go do some backpacking he's really into it he loves hearing the stories about the PCT and stuff so we're going to try to do some trails in the Andes hopefully before it starts snowing so that's kind of one uh,
0: one adventure on the on the table that yeah. sounds amazing, yeah. man. And this is your life for a while. I mean, you said seven year cycles are kind of how you flow. And sounds like this has been what five years of this cycle.
1: Creepy. Yeah, I lost count, but I mean, well, this one is it hasn't been it's seven years of doing like the same thing. You know? Okay. So seven years of video editing and seven years of, of farming. Um, seven years of travel is kind of the same. Seven thing. years of, of travel. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like you can do different types of travel. So maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm not. I'm not getting tired of it. I get tired sometimes. Sometimes I need to stay in a place and like just sleep for a couple weeks and just like do minimal, whatever new things. But then eventually the wanderlust comes back and um, a new invitation comes too. you know, like I definitely did. There's something that happens when you're a young traveler, like Noah, you're like early twenties and you're going to hostels, you meet people that are super free in their life. But eventually what happened for me is a lot of my friends had kids and families and, full-time jobs and so a lot of my travel buddies eventually phased out so now I've been kind of looking for new travel buddies and, they, and the invitations come less often and say now so I um, but they still come and there's still and there's solo adventures to do too I don't have to go where somebody else is I, I prefer that because you have like a local guide and you have somebody to like kind of just um, yeah, bond with but then I can also just go I I fantasize sometimes I'll just go into the airport and buy whatever the next plane ticket is, you know, just go in my backpack and go Nepal or whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there's so many places I've never been. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's so many places that I have been that I, I like, I'd encourage people who've traveled for a long time to, to start going back to places they went to. But I haven't been here for 10 years, mm-hmm. maybe more. Mm-hmm. And I, I always like wanted to go back and I'm so glad I did come back because it's changed a little bit, but a lot of it's the same. And, and some of the locals recognize me and they're like, whoa, taggy you, have, you haven't even been here for so long where have you been you know just the guy on the bus yesterday chucho you know chucho yeah of course um and he's like totally remember, remember, i remember you and then i didn't recognize his son but his son recognized me i'm like no way uh, jonathan i think is his name mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just, it's cool to go back to places too it, that can be a totally excited adventure just to visit some place you've already been yeah um, but it's like you you spiral around it's a different
0: it's a different place it's a different you so yeah different place different you i like that yeah i like that so yeah i guess you're just going to keep floating until like do you want to have kids do you want to get married Do you want to settle down like what are you looking yeah we for? talked about that with my, my girlfriend that's why i moved in with
1: her and we we're kind of testing the waters i'm totally open to it if if my partner wants kids i'm not going to like initiate it who knows maybe in five years i would adopt on my own or i don't know i don't know how you do that but i prefer it to do it like the old school way meet a girl fall in love and have have a family that would be i think that sounds pretty cool i see all my friends everybody who's had kids is like yeah it's 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 the coolest you know to, to raise um yeah your 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 offspring i mean what better way to like teach somebody all the stuff you've learned right and it seems like a challenge again one of those things i'm afraid of would be if It'd be scary to raise a kid, yeah. To have a kid and to then then you really are root, you have to root somewhere usually to to ha-
0: have them go to school and give them a routine and stuff. Yeah, I mean so that's one culture's way up. of doing it. I mean, you've traveled enough to have met plenty of families mm-hmm. not doing it that way and seemingly having a you know good time doing it with the kids developing in a healthy way. Yeah, <clears throat> I've put myself mentally in those situations and that's not the life for me. Yeah, on all fronts. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I can see how, depending on how you do it, it could be an amazing adventure. Yeah, sure. yeah.
1: I'm open. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm enjoying being single now. You know, get out of relationships, it's good to spend some time on your own. Um, but I'm open. I still, my, my birth certificate says I'm kind of older, middle-aged, but I still feel really young. Yeah, I feel like I still have a lot, of, a lot of good life left in me. Do you get lonely? Um, sometimes. I, it's like, it's funny. I feel really comfortable on my own. What happens more often, I feel like, is like, I get overwhelmed too much socializing. Especially if you're, if you're in a good flow and you're in places where there's like, exciting life going on. But, um, yes, I do. And then also it passes. And, and as you get older and you get, you're familiar with it. I, I'm grateful for the time I get to spend on my own. I like myself. So that's helpful. Yeah. I, I can, I entertain myself and I, li- I like reading books and I like playing music. Um, I like yeah, I like walking on my own. But I definitely enjoy friendship, you know? I enjoy my family. I enjoy meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be like a hermit or anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, what was the final quote in that book, Into the Wild, by Alexander Supertramp? Like, life is better shared. He wrote in his journal before he died. Yeah, he was he was sitting there by himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I think about that, too, because I also am very content by myself. I mean, I need it. I know that at this point in my life. Yeah. Lots of time by myself with intermittent daily social interaction, you know, but, um, that's always interesting when you think about, uh, what our French friend group did is doing versus what we've chosen to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but like, I never really struggled with whether I was doing the right thing or not, you know, where I've seen other people really struggle with like, well, I And a lot of women with, you know, their biological clock ticking, like, I need to have a kid by now. I need to do this. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And, like, it's interesting to watch people really struggle with these things that sometimes I challenge them say, like, is that really what you want or is that just you regurgitating what society has told you you want or your family or your your friendship, you know? Have you encountered that internal dialogue or turmoil within yourself at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I'm definitely susceptible to the programming, um, of society and, and sometimes you feel left out um, because everybody else is doing something else but I've been such like a i mean i have a unique name I feel like i've always had had a unique path so I've, I've kind of learned to accept that that I'm not going to do the same as anybody else and I'm okay with that and um, but sometimes like I'll, I'll be like wow it's i'm not doing the normal thing and then I get excited I'm like Well, what, what is my life going to turn out to be? You know, and I kind of try to flip it and be a little bit optimistic. Like, wow, this is what a gift, you know, that I, I don't have to live that normal, normal thing. I think the worst thing for me would be to living that normal life of somebody else that I was told to live or whatever and feeling trapped. For me, that's, that's a big thing that I, I don't, I don't enjoy that, you know, that feeling trapped or feeling that I'm not being authentic to my own
0: my own calling or my own path yeah i relate to that a lot and it sounded like this chilean girlfriend of yours was somebody that was um, you're willing to at least swing the bat with
1: yeah and, and yeah, yeah.
0: see how that was and so she had qualities that I, i'm assuming were similar to yours which she also wanted freedom and
1: yeah and yeah she was a traveler she'd been traveling um, for a year on her own solo you know at least she was on solo for about six months, started with a friend for three months, I think. And then went for three months on her own and then went to another three months to, to Hawaii. So yeah, she was very like adventurous and had done a lot of cool traveling in South America already. Um, but yeah, she was just a curious explorer like me. And so we, we resonated on that and like, well, what, what if we tried to do it together, you know? And then we tried it and we realized that like, we both have different styles of, of living and we both um, got to a point where we, we weren't resonating anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So, do you think you have to find a traveling female as a partner, or do you think you could find a sedentary American woman, uh, for example? I think it's more, it'd be easier to have a
1: traveling partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody who likes to um, explore as well. Yeah. I think mm. because I, yeah, I want to travel and I especially want to keep surfing. That was the thing. She'd never dated a surfer. So I think that was the biggest challenge for her. She didn't understand why sometimes I need to surf three times a day when it's epic. And then sometimes I don't surf at all when it's not good yet. So that was, that was, you know, you couldn't schedule it like a, a pickleball match or a soccer game or whatever. Surfing doesn't work like that. So that was a big challenge for her. So hopefully somebody who, who likes riding waves and chasing waves too. Mm -hmm. Would be, I think would be a good compliment to me. But yeah, definitely, I think travel will always be a part of my life. Maybe not big, long airplane travels, but at least backpacking
0: and going to new places every year. Yeah. Is there one place you could see yourself? Like you said, home base is kind of chilly right now. Mm -hmm. Is there a country that you for sure can see yourself as having a home base in? I imagine I'll find some place and it'll, it'll feel like home
1: and it'll resonate. Okay. But, um, I like, I like a lot of places for part of the year, you know, Hawaii in, in the winter. I like, I like North America, the states in the summer. Um, but yeah, not,
0: no, not one place is on the top of my head right now. Not it. Not, yeah. No. I, uh, was having a conversation with a friend right before he showed up and. Really just kind of more being confident that this is home for me, I think, for a long time, Mexico. Yeah. It has everything I need. And as much as I love Asia and Southeast Asia, um, the distance from home is quite far if I had to get right. back. Um, certain areas in Asia have amazing waves, but the areas that I'm most drawn to don't. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't have the same passion I once did for surfing, I need it in my life daily. We need to go in the water every single day yeah. and at least paddle around yeah. and try. Yeah, yeah. And then, so not having that, like maybe, you know, of course there's going to come a day where physically it'll be harder to surf in these places in Mexico and I might yeah. have to go someplace else and right. has mellower waves, but. But you can still swim. even then. can always you know. swim. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, after this year of being here, this year has been incredible for me. Yeah. And I just for sure see myself here for the next three to five. And realistically, now I'm starting to think about probably 10, 15, awesome, you yeah. know, we'll see.
1: I, I kind of envy you for that, that you, you, it resonates so much for you. You do seem so at home here, you know? Um, that's cool. Yeah. I, for a while at high, I haven't had a place like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I move faster than you or I'm looking, uh, for different things than you too. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, but I'm stoked. You're, you're going to make me take a second look at at this this region too and definitely i plan to as long as you're here i'll I'll
0: make an effort to come back too while you're still here too I'd love to have you man and stay here next time and yeah that'd be great yeah um i always like to end the conversation with uh you know wise words of sorts to the audience of you know your thoughts and feelings about how an individual might confront a fear or leave a relationship that they're not excited in or take that first flight that they've always wanted to could you leave them with some parting words that might help them find the courage to make that first step? Okay. So people out there who are like on the edge
1: contemplating a big life change or whatever. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I guess some wise wisdom that I'm still learning and, and has been imparted on me is like trusting your heart, you know, not, not just your like emotional heart, but like your spiritual heart, like that deeper, quieter heart. Um, some, maybe it's like your intuition, you call it that too but something something is guiding you uh within you um and so like if you can really get quiet you know meditation and being in nature and just really listening get cutting through the static that's in your head is, is really helpful and tr- kind of trusting that will will always lead you in, in the right direction um but also yeah i think a helpful thing for me when i have challenging times is to write things down and just put on paper not just have it like Crazy thoughts flying through your head, just writing down simple things. Like, um, that's, that's really helpful. Just, just journaling and, and writing about what your fears are and writing about what the worst outcome could be or whatever and what the best outcome could be, things like that. There's other people who, who coach that. Like, there's certain techniques you can do to, uh, if you find yourself stuck, you know, to like just process it. And, um, I think your intuition, your heart will definitely. Definitely guide you, yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said, brother. Yeah. Much love. Nice to bump into you. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome, Tag. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on and imparting all your travel wisdom and highlights of the last 10 years of your life. It's been so long since we connected, and I was so happy to see you on the road in the middle of Mexico. Such a fun encounter. I love these moments. And for you listeners out there, thank you for joining me for today's episode. I really appreciate you supporting Misfits and Rejects. If you want to support Misfits and Rejects financially, you can also do that via Patreon. That is a monthly donation. Whatever you feel like, you can head over to patreon.com backslash shop. Give a monthly donation of $1, $5, whatever you feel like. It's all super helpful and it is all appreciated. Or you can buy a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. Head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. Pick up a t-shirt. That helps as well. And with that said, I hope you're having a wonderful 2024 thus far, and I will see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one but when in fact it's the perfect one for you and i'll see you next time